The Secrets of Doctor Who is brought to you by the Star Quest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. And today we're discussing the 8th Doctor Big Finish story, Neverland. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Corey. How's it going? Folks, be sure to get your very own Secrets of Doctor Who t-shirt or phone case or whatever with this awesome custom design. Well, actually, oh, that's the Secrets of Star Trek. <laughs> with an awesome oh. custom design. <laughs> I showed the video, my Secrets of Star Trek shirt. I thought I was wearing the Secrets of Doctor Who one this, today. <laughs> this is where Dom's going to show his AI wizardry and have it changed via ai no yeah i wish i was that good uh, but uh, it has a, a great custom design that we had with the three of us as uh, time lords and you can find that wherever a fine podcast no you can find that at sqpn.com slash merch great start today but i do want to tell you about another show on the star quest network you are certain to enjoy called the secrets of star trek and i am wearing the shirt for that and you can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Star Trek. And so, Jimmy, let's get right into it. And give, why don't you give us a recap of what happens in this one? When the Eighth Doctor rescued Charlie Pollard, who should have died in the R-101 air crash in 1930, he created a paradox. This week, the price of the paradox comes due, and the Time Lords, led by President Romana, come calling. The Doctor wants to hide Charlie away while he deals with his people, but Charlie insists on coming. It turns out that because she should have died in the R101 crash, Charlie is entangled with a paradox that is unraveling the web of time, and this has been causing distortions that have been following the Doctor and Charlie through their adventures. The Time Lords have traced these distortions to a rift into a universe made of anti-time, that strange stuff from All Good Things, the series finale of Star Trek The Next Generation. When they go to the anti-time universe, they find a planetoid made out of normal matter, and on the planetoid they find a group of never people, or people who never existed in ordinary time. The Doctor and Charlie notice that the planetoid that they're on isn't actually a natural body, though. When they explore its interior, they realize it's an ancient wreck of a TARDIS. But whose TARDIS was it? They seem to get the answer when they discover a hologram of the famed Time Lord leader, Rassilon. The hologram says that he actually died here in anti-time, not on Gallifrey. And he wants to come back to Gallifrey in proper time. The Never People agree to let the Time Lords take Rassilon's casket back to Gallifrey on condition that one of their leaders remain with them until they negotiate a treaty and President Romana stays, while Vancell, the ambitious and semi-traitorous coordinator of the Celestial Intervention Agency, takes the casket back to Gallifrey. Only the time station that he's on gets stuck between our universe and anti-time. Meanwhile, the Never People take an accusatory tone towards Romana, who they say should recognize them, because they are actually Time Lords that have been deleted from history, resulting in them being banished to anti-time. And the banishments are continuing due to CIA coordinator Vancell. The Doctor also has stayed in the anti-time universe, and he and Romana figure out that the idea Rassilon died here is a lie, and the Never People have created a trap with the idea of Rassilon as bait. 
The casket that Vansell is taken back to Gallifrey is actually an anti-time bomb that will detonate as soon as they arrive. However, since Vansell's time station is stuck, the Never People let the Doctor have his TARDIS back, and they take it to the time station to unstick it. Secretly, Romana is going to enter the Matrix in the time station and reprogram it so that Gallifrey's security shields won't let it land. That reprogramming, though, doesn't turn out to be possible, but the Doctor materializes his TARDIS around the time station in order to contain the anti-time explosion. In the process, Charlie's paradoxical status is resolved and inverted. Now Charlie has saved the web of time, so she can't endanger it. However, the Doctor seems to have become infected with an evil influence from anti-time, an ancient Time Lord fairy tale monster called Zagreus. But, as with this story and its anti-time, must come to an end, all good things. The end. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Father Corey, your overall impression of this story? I, I enjoyed this one. This was it was kind of interesting. That, you know, of course, it's the you know we've got this alternate universe that's causing problems in our current universe story, but it was it was a very interesting. You know, kind of fleshed out a little more of the history of the Time Lords, uh, introducing Romana as president. I believe this is the first time, at least in any Who material, she was referred to as president. Maybe some of the books did or, or comics or something, but. There was a history that Russell T. Davies wrote for the 2005 uh, relaunch that referred to her that way, but that may have actually been released. That was released after this, if I recall correctly. Yeah, because yeah, this is yeah. 2002 this came out. So I think this is the first time Romana appeared in Big Finish, at least, as president. So that, that's, that's, you know, that's cool. And, of course, that's something that's going to go forward as we look at other material. We'll, we'll probably run into her again in that role. Um, oh, yeah. it, no, it was, it, was, it was an enjoyable story. Was it, wasn't that as confusing as some, and I think they, they simplified kind of the locations and that helped a lot. So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Jimmy, how about you? Yeah, I liked it too. Um, I thought it was, I, I didn't enjoy the fact it's almost two and a half hours long. Mm -hmm. Um, I could, mm -hmm. I think they could have gotten it shorter. Um, because it's, it's, it's longer than a typical doctor who story, even a four parter, you know, uh, this is like a six parter. And although it's actually only structured in two parts, it filled mm -hmm. two CDs. Um, so I thought it was a little long and a little hard to follow towards the end with exactly what was happening with Charlie and so forth. But I enjoyed it overall. Um, I did like having President Romana, and this is Romana 2. This is Romana's second incarnation played by Lala Ward, which we have not gotten to yet here on the podcast, but is coming up. Except on Shada. Except Shada. on Shada, yeah. and, you know, she had a scene in, in The Five Doctors, you know, and yep. stuff like that. Yeah. But we haven't gotten to any of her adventures yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I'm glad they finally wrapped up Charlie's paradoxical status, so now she can travel with the Doctor without that hanging over them. They also linked in aspects of the previous adventures uh, where, you know, things had been happening with Charlie because of her paradoxical status, and some of them were obvious to the audience, but others were not as obvious to the audience. Like, you may remember they had that Vortisaur as kind mm -hmm. of a pet on the TARDIS for a while, and um, here it's explained that the reason he was attracted to Charlie is that creatures can feed off of her paradoxical status, and the Never People do that. 
for example. There, she gives them her paradox gives them power, and in the same way, the Vortisaur was was like getting you know energy from her because of her paradox. And so it's it's it it overall it's nicely done. I also like how Romana, even though she's cast in a role where she could be an antagonist, she's really sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. to the doctor. Um, the doctor initially wants to hide Charlie away by sending her on a vacation for a year while he deals with his people because he's afraid <laughs> they're going to demand that um, that Charlie be killed in order to resolve the paradox. And Charlie realizes what he's up to and won't have it. She's like, every, you know, I should have died on the R101, and that was my fault. I was the one who chose to travel that day. So everything I've had since then is a gift, but I can't destroy the web of time. And if I have to die in order to save everything, then so be it. And she's willing to face the Time Lords. Um, she's even willing late in the story to let the doctor shoot her in order to mm-hmm. resolve the paradox, which he says he can't do, you know, which, it, yeah, duh, the doctor can never physically attack a companion except that once. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, li- I like Charlie's character development in this. And I like that Romana, right from the, as soon as the doctor and Romana come face to face, it's like Romana's, stern but reasonable it's like yes doctor i understand you don't want your friend to die and i'm willing to try to help make that happen for her not to die Mm -hmm. right right yeah i mean she still she still kind of bears some holdover feelings about their time together traveling together um you know things that every every relationship has the bumps uh and so the so that shows up a little bit which is kind of fun uh but yeah yeah Speaking uh, of the doctor not letting his companion die, uh, Clara <clears throat> hasn't well, learned wanna, that lesson yet. I want to go back to that because there's been well, some inter- interesting parallels. No, no, no I, I do want to come back to that because there are some mm-hmm. interesting parallels. But um, I, I just want to give my overall impression, too, and which is that uh, I enjoyed it. It was too long. I agree with that. Uh, uh, but I, I really enjoyed the diving into so much about the Time Lords. About, like, this was a deep dive in you know when i place this in its time to the, the literal time 2002 uh all that stuff from new who had not been developed yet all the the lore so this is really building off of the lore we had from the classic who and we really get a lot more a lot a lot more of the time lord society which in fact classic who did a lot has done a lot more with than new who frankly mm-hmm. i mean we've get oh, yeah. we get glances at it but you know classic who we really felt like we had an insight into who these people were. We saw the, the, the normal operation of things uh, at times. Um, and so it was kind of nice to see some building on that. And, you know, interesting to see the Romana has moved on to be, to be become president or uh, I think in this one, they call her Imperatrix. Uh, well, there's, what... that's in a nightmare future vision in the matrix. She's become not just president, but, Imperi- oh. but Imperatrix. Oh, okay. I was trying. To, I, I got a few things uh, mixed up when I was as I was listening to it um, with that. So, okay. So that's interesting. Um, but in in general, uh, I like it. I like how Charlie develops, and um, the cliffhanger at the end is very interesting. We'll talk about that as we go along too. Um, I was a little confused by the the whole thing with Zagreus. Mm-hmm. 
what is Zagreus and what is would have to do with Rassilon and these Never People? They're they're building up to Zagreus. This is a story they pay off next year in two thousand three. Um, they've mentioned Zagreus previously on in the Eighth Doctor's Adventures with this Time Lord nursery rhyme. The first verse of which is Zagreus sits inside your head. Zagreus watches you. Uh, Oh, I, I don't remember it all, but it's like Zagreus sits inside your head. Zagreus watches lives among you, the dead. Lives Zagreus. among the dead. Watches you in your bed and eats you while you're sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Good night, night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and so this so Zagreus is going to end up being a, a monster from anti time. But okay. the doctor doesn't currently believe in him. But here, since this ends with the cliffhanger of the eighth doctor becoming possessed by Zagreus, they really hit the Zagreus button a bunch of times in this. <laughs> right. and, the doc- and the doctor is regularly very dismissive of Zagreus is just a fairy tale. It's nothing. It doesn't exist until at the end he's possessed by it. Yep. And and this is going to build up to a multi-doctor story in 2003 where you get the fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth doctors together in a story called Zagreus. <laughs> it's the fiftieth um, big finish story, so they made it a big deal. Yeah. Uh, so, we'll, and I think that's probably the next one we're going to do when when we when we come back around to the Eighth Doctor again. Um, so, I want to kind of start with talking about the the origin of the Never People, which is this Time Lord. Well, actually, Celestial Intervention Agency Black Sight <laughs> Execution Chamber, uh, mm-hmm. almost like a Star Chamber, where they not just kill people, but remove them from time so that no one knows they've killed this person, which is kind of horrific and probably something that some real intelligence agencies would love to be able to do uh, because they'll never get caught. It has precedence in literature. I'm forgetting... I'm forgetting who it was, but there was an early 20... I think early 20th century horror author. I forget if it was Algernon Blackwood or whoever it was, but it was, you know, in in the ancient world, they had uh, Damnatio Memorare, the condemnation of, in memory, um, where um, where if if somebody had done something really bad, they would try to destroy every record that this person ever existed. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and in Egypt, they would do that too. So like, Hatshepsut, the uh, pharaoh who was a woman, one of the pharaohs who was a woman. Um, you know, when she when she died, her successor like struck her name off the monuments, and this was a regular thing that would happen. In the, mm-hmm. we can tell, you know, when this has happened, archaeologists can because they can see the carved name has been is deeper than it should be so like one one pharaoh originally carved their name there and then another pharaoh who didn't like them and wanted to claim credit for this monument came along and either struck their name off or carved his own name over it and now it's deeper in the stone and so uh you would you would eliminate people you didn't like like Akhenaten that crazy heretic guy Hmm. you would uh, obliterate references to him on monuments well, one of the early 20th century horror authors, maybe it was Algernon Blackwood, um, had wrote a story about the gods getting so angry at a guy that they not only decreed that he must never be remembered, he they decreed that he must never have existed. 
and um, and this is kind of picking up that idea and applying it in a Time Lord context. I mean, and by the way, the, the thought that the idea of striking striking someone's history, you know, off the monument stuff, that's something that was even happened in the 20th century. There's that mm-hmm. famous picture of the mm-hmm. Stalins at the shipyards with some guy, and the guy did something to tick Stalin off, so they airbrushed him out after he was killed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right, early early versions of photoshopping without computers yep. uh, down yeah. down the memory hole exactly and and you know you say well people would people would remember you can't remove people's memories but on a given enough time like some of these pharaohs we have you know we don't we don't have records of them so they've ceased to exist because everyone who lived to remember them uh, is long gone so that's and, that's kind of the same thing yeah and if you if you did bring up the memory of this pharaoh um, you would disappear too right most likely right. So in this case, we have the uh, what they call it the uh, the room the oubliette of history. Oubliette mm-hmm. being a French word meaning to forget, uh, but it, it refers to an, dungeons. A, yeah, it's an underground yeah. chamber where you can imprison someone. Right. It would be like a like a yeah like a like a but put them in the hole. You know, which mm-hmm. is the the colloquial way we talk about it. And the way we learn about this is a really I really. Cool scene. I don't say fun. Cool scene where Romana is confronted. She's been taken hostage and is being confronted by these never people who don't you remember us? Don't you remember when you were a little girl and you would go to the streams like that? You know, that event. I remember that event. I was alone. No, no, we were there with you. We were your friends. And it turns out these two people were taken down the memory hole. They were Mm -hmm. taken to the oubliette of history and see and were moved from you know, her memory and her history, not even just her memory, but just from her timeline, they didn't exist. And I wonder, like, you know, if I want to take this too far, you'd have to be careful not to remove people who's, who've done things, you know, the sort of, uh, uh, it's a wonderful life problem where you cause more problems by taking a person out of history, but the time time Lords apparently have the skills to do that, at least unless it doesn't involve a fixed point. Well, Um, the, they also talk about how, is it it is it is it in this um, it's something i saw recently where they talked about like this person doesn't have any long lasting consequences so it's okay to remove them right um th- also they're being a little irrational blaming romana for not remembering her friends since they've been deleted of course she's not going to remember <laughs> them but they're irrational so yeah. you know that's the explanation for that yeah they, well they, they talk about you know with the scene where we're Charlie is there. The doctor's being encouraged to kill Charlie. They talk about, you know, like she, she has no, mm. no family, no children of any consequence, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it won't, you know, it won't matter. If she is killed and then ends up, you know, being put in the wreck of the R101 to look like she died in that instead, you know, so it's, uh, it, it's, um, yeah. So she doesn't have that, that history. Now, of course, you know, they've got the, you know, the super mega, Uber computer called the matrix that they could use to say, okay, if this person continues, what could happen? Oh, they right. not, they're not going to be of consequence. Off them. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And the leader of the never people was, uh, what, what the name was, what centris was that? The centris, name? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Centris. And so he, she, they, they, this, this person assumes the, um, form of Charlie form of Charlie and has a version of her voice. So I'll just say her, yep. um, and was, a leader of the the CIA, the Celestial Intervention, and was so felt so much guilt over the people being sent through the oubliette of history 
that they themselves sentence themselves to it and remove themselves from history, which is an interesting, but yet blames the yeah. time Lords for it, I guess their, yeah. their centrist is still being irrational. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the, also one of the things that they talk about that's, that I like in this concept is when you start disappearing people from history, including from everybody's memories, um, you forget how many people you've done that to. Yeah. And it it can become more common than you realize it is. Right. Every Although there's apparently a time protected vault where the records Mm -hmm. of this are kept. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which, which is uh, also interesting. Um, So you'd have to make sure to put the records in before you did it. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. And then, and then you could go in there and say and see the complete list of all the horrible things <laughs> your your people have done. Um, so that yeah, they, I thought, that they chose to record the, the real yeah. the real world CIA has been notorious for not recording and records losing and records destroying things. Yep, right, right. <laughs> I mean, this is sort of based on those stories. This idea, of this this the CIA, they're the they're the dirty tricks organization of the Time Lords. This is long established in classic who uh well and it's have we well it's it's interesting too because of course we've seen where the time lords used to do basically death penalty where they would dissolve you you know your your bodies would be just basically disintegrated but you wouldn't be wiped out of history so you must in theory you must have to be worse if this was done legitimately for them to just say no we're going to take you completely out of time you will not have ever existed right i would think like for people who Taking them out of time would cause too much of a disruption. Those would be the ones they would just execute. You know, yeah. like you couldn't you couldn't just do this to the doctor because that would be yeah. too much of a of a disruption. He's a complex space time event. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's come up. <laughs> yeah, the CIA hasn't come up in the new who. Nope, much if at all. Instead, they've come up with the division, right? Which is sort the of the 13th. new equivalent of the of the CIA. They're kind of almost like Section Thirty One, uh, you mm-hmm. know, the Star Trek Section mm-hmm. Thirty One, where they're they're this smaller group of even worse people, <laughs> or something along those lines. Uh, the the other thing, you know, the the big character in this, it sort of shows up is Rassilon. Mm-hmm. In classic, who Rassilon was, in, in at this time period, Rassilon was this mythic figure. In New Who, we we remember. Rassilon has shown up, and Rassilon becomes Time Lord President again. We just talked about him in uh, in when we discussed Heaven Hellbent. Well, he, you know, yeah, he's before that, been, he was Timothy Dalton. Yep, right. Yeah, well, and he's been resurrected for New Who. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and even when we talked about Hellbent, he calls himself you know the one who has been resurrected. Right, and when we talked about um, the Five Doctor story, uh, that also was we see in. A similar holographic image of Raslan, which may be what inspired this uh, the, the, this appearance, but all of it, Raslan in this is is a fake out. This isn't none of this has is really Raslan or not. Well, no, no, no. So the Raslan that they meet on the planetoid in Anti Time that's a fake. Mm-hmm. Um, but the real Raslan does show up, even though he's dead. He shows up in in an a, in some kind of time stop apparition, both to the Eighth Doctor and Romana, yep. oh, and yeah. basically says, "Even though I'm dead, I've been watching you, and I'm not happy about everything. But on balance, I'm really pleased with you." Yeah. Okay, you, right, it doesn't, that seem, like, it doesn't yeah. seem like they remember it, though. At least the Doctor, 
Because right. he's he's like, what was I doing? I you know I don't remember. You know he doesn't remember that it had happened, and just kind of goes on with what he was doing. But yeah, I've- he does show up. I find it very interesting that Van Cell, the current uh, coordinator of the CIA, is he has this impassioned speech about how um, wonderful Rassilon is and how how much better Time Lord society would be and how much better off Gallifrey would be if only Rassilon were returned. And he kind of builds him up so much, and it's, I'm kind of laughing because the Rassilon that we've just seen in the in the Twelfth Doctor's time is not any of that. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he was very ineffectual. Yeah, yep. but there was still this idea at this time in 2002, you know, left over from the seventh doctor's time, you know, when, when I think when he really came up, um, that Rassilon was this great figure that if only, we, you know, this this George Washington of Time Lord Society, if only we could get him back, we would be so much better off. Um, Bil- very much building up the myth- mythos of Rassilon himself, you know, yeah, 10 foot tall and bulletproof and things like that, you know. Goes and back they, to that old adage. And they continued that in the Timothy Dalton era. Um, it was just the last, most recent Rassilon regeneration that was very ineffectual. Mm. Yep. Don't meet, don't meet your heroes. I think is the old saying. <laughs> uh, the other thing, and this is, I want to get back to what you had said earlier, Father Corey, was Charlie as um, you know, reminding us of Cl- Clara, but she kind of reminds me also of Clara. Post face the Raven, so the undead Clara, who's the mm-hmm. problem for time, which is I wonder how much Charlie inspired that story, but also a little bit the impossible girl as well, who's you know throughout yep. the 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 tenth the eleventh Doctor's timeline has you know uh, has to fix it and that sort of thing. Um, I it's kind of interesting to see this echo of Charlie going into the future to to, to Cl- uh, Clara. What do you think of that? Is that a intentional that they brought that back? Possible. I mean, I a lot of the people who worked on the, the Big Finish stories went on to work on New Who, so it's possible that uh, Stephen Moffat pulled from that. Um, I, I do think that Clara's version, as much as, as, as I said when we talked about that episode I didn't like, it gets around the whole... Um, paradox thing of pulling her out right before she dies she goes and does whatever travel she does and off screen eventually she goes back and actually finishes up the death so you don't actually have the paradox there whereas you do with with charlie they kind of clean that Mm. that aspect of the story up right because the solution that they eventually come up with charlie is She's somehow like like Palpatine. Somehow she survived the crash of the R one one and walked out unscathed from the flames. And uh, that was because of the Doctor. Mm-hmm. The Doctor tampered with a fixed point in time and created the paradox. Yep. Right. And in order to fix, what, what was the, this? I wrote it down. The, the, how it works. Um, history's web was saved by the fact of her existence, and therefore the fact of her existence cannot have imperiled it. Right. Yeah, that's what they say. I don't know that that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and, and they said something like the the history of the web of time starting to unravel is actually part of the history of the web of time. Right. So so it made it a fixed point that you couldn't undo, and therefore and, the paradox has to survive or something. And we should say at this time the idea of fixed point hasn't been developed yet. That is a new who. Yeah. Right. Unless Big Finish at some other point comes up with it. I don't know. I haven't listened to a lot of Big Finish, but other than what we've done for the show, so. Yeah. No, I'm applying the term retroactively. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. I mean, there it's effectively a fixed point in time. Uh, they're not. They're just not 
calling it that and and that the effectively calling it that has happened like the effectively not calling it that effectively having a fixed point that you can't change right. that's come up in classic who before yeah. but they just never call it call it that um yep yeah i don't i don't think that there's a lot of i mean it's i can't rule out that stephen moffat was inspired by some of this but i don't think there's a direct in, a direct inspiration because clara's Clara being the impossible girl and Clara dying because of a paradox is two different things narratively. Her, she's her her death is not driven by the fact she's the impossible girl. Um, in fact, she had like three different deaths that they had wrote, and they canceled the first two. And it's just chance that the last yeah. one involves a paradox where you've got to face the Raven. Mm-hmm. Um, and and her being the impossible girl is different than Charlie because the whole point of introducing her as the impossible girl is the doctor does not know what explains her. He keeps meeting the same person in different time periods, and he doesn't know why. Whereas, um, whereas the doctor is the cause of Charlie's paradox. He's the reason she's impossible. It's because he saved her life. He knows from the very first moment of their second adventure that she shouldn't be here. And he knows he's responsible. So there's no mystery for the doctor to solve. Whereas the whole point of Clara in the beginning is the doctor does not know what explains her. I think another, um, I I think that Stephen Moffat got the idea of what if the doctor had this companion he couldn't figure out. And that's the, um, that he kept meeting in different, in different times. That uh, was the neat idea that Stephen Moffat wanted to explore. He wasn't trying to recreate Charlie. Um, also, if there is a prior inspiration for the Impossible Girl, I would say it's River Song, because you have the same thing where the Doctor meets this person who is his companion and and doesn't know, and he keeps meeting her in different times, and he has to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Right. I guess it's only in the broadest sense that there's a similarity where they are both companions who are time paradoxes of some sort. Yeah. Right. Um, so, and then, you know, we mentioned at the end, the doctor gets possessed by Zagreus and leaves us with a cliffhanger for the next one. So that, that was, I think, I guess we talked about that. Um, any other uh, uh, bits of this, uh, that you wanted to bring up? I I like the idea of the, uh, the, the time torpedo where it basically freezes them in time. And so they have, they, they have, you know, hundreds of years to basically break the lock on the TARDIS. Yes, because yeah. they 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 say that the TARDIS get you know of course the Doctor tries to escape and does escape due to a time rift, and then Charlie hits the quick return button and sends him right back in the middle of it. Which again, that was a great scene. I, I like that. Mm-hmm. Charlie's like, no, I'm going to face the consequences. Hits the button, and by the time the, and the Doctor can't stop it. But then the idea that basically the TARDIS gets frozen in time with everybody inside of it, and so the Time Lord's got all the time in the world, literally, to <laughs> uh. Pick the lock, more or less, you know, because of course they always say, you know, the the locks on the TARDIS would take hundreds of years and all this work to do it. Well, they've got that time; they can they can go take lunch breaks. They can send other people to do it. <laughs> they got all the time in the world, right? You know, one other thing I wanted to mention: um, I just wa- watched the second season of the uh, Marvel series Loki, the the Disney Plus series, 
And something that comes out of that, and I'll try, I won't, I'll try to avoid spoilers on this, but uh, there might be minor, a minor spoiler. But um, there's a description of Rassilon as denying free will to the people of universe by tying them to a, one single reality. The Never People, I think, bring that up. Uh, tie him to one single reality. And it sounds a lot like the, the, the character, I won't say he's kind of the antagonist of the Loki series, Um he's called he who remains and um he's behind this effort of the time variant authority to create one sacred timeline you know that that's the purpose of the time variant authority is, is to trim off all branching timelines and to have one sacred timeline and it, it's almost like that there's a very I, I just felt like it was a very similar idea of you know removing people's free will that's actually a huge comment uh, comment that comes up in loki is do people have free will if you tie off their ability to vary from the one timeline and i thought that was interesting that that they would bring it up here because yeah i mean if if you go if you if you will not let people vary from the way you see time panning out to the end of time where's your free will right well it just means you're a control freak it doesn't mean you've gone into someone's head and taken away their free will Right, they made a choice, and then you trim that choice off the timeline. That's that's a, you know, it, it, right. so that they can only have cho- yeah. have chosen. It's a sort of the because it's a multiverse view of to- of right. of of well, existence. Well, yeah. and, and the, the the whole idea of the web of time is the fact that every time someone makes a choice, another branch, you know, spreads off. Right, where you know, and and so you've got this web of interacting decisions and choices and free will that creates the web. Mm. Although they bizarrely say that Rassilon created the web of time in this, which I was like, I don't think you should be believing your own publicity on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, anything else you want to say? As Father Craig, you had, did you have anything else you wanted nope, to that add? Was it. Okay. that was Jimmy, it. Jimmy, do you have any more to add? Yeah, so just a couple of brief things. One of them is they have this time station, which is, and it's like, okay, so that's clearly a substitute for space station. Mm-hmm. But what exactly is a time station? I guess it's I mean like a space a space station is a is a station that hangs in outer space. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I guess a time station would be a station that hangs in the vortex, maybe, something mm-hmm. like that. Um so I was just puzzling about that and I thought it was interesting. Okay, they're a time exploring culture, or is a space exploring culture. So a time station, whatever it might be, is kind of a neat idea. Um but the other thing was right at the beginning when we have this opening sequence of people in the matrix trying to remember the universe as it should be. Mm-hmm. You know, in order to preserve it because the web of time is becoming unraveled. And so you have a bunch of Time Lord figures who I guess are in the Matrix, you know, rattling off events in history, you know, in Earth history and alien history and Time Lord history. And they name the year and whether it's the Rassilon era or the human era or whatever it is and announcing different events. And in one of the very first ones, they mentioned Tercerus. <laughs> 
And Tursurus is is the uh, is the planet from Doctor Who and the Curse of Fatal Death with mm-hmm. Rowan Atkinson, oh. where the Master has to crawl through the sewers for centuries, yeah, and multiple times, multiple <laughs> times. And I always love it when we get a, a reference to Tursurus because that's clearly a non-canon story, but they're. Yeah. They're treating it as canon. They do the same thing in one of the Missy sets, or where Missy meets River Song, and they're talking about, do we want to escape through these tunnels? And Missy says, I had quite enough of that on Tursurus. So when was that special? Uh, That had to, I guess it was before 2003 then. Wow. I thought it was after. Okay. Well, anything else, Jimmy? Nope. Very good. So uh, that will do it for this time. And uh, before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons and ah, make it possible. It was 1999, so it was just oh. just three years before this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so thank you to our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Doctor Who, including Sandra M., Kent H., Henry H., Haley H., and Tess W. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Doctor Who and all the shows at StarQuest, and you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. We'd also like to thank Zyman Yannick, who edited this episode. So that's it from us. We'd love to know what you think of this eighth Doctor story, Neverland. You can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page, or send an email to Who at sqpn.com or visit the StarQuest Discord community at sqpn.com slash discord. You can now watch The Secrets of Doctor Who on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Media and course leave a comment there as well we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fourth doctor story the robots of death until then father Corey stika thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of doctor who jimmy aiken thank you as well thanks tom and once again i'm dom bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of doctor who on star quest and remember love never dies however brief our lives might be 